You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rise up, Red Sea. It's Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bo Brock, Alex Clancy hanging out with you. I'm going to switch this up a little bit. Yeah, let's do that. Let's get in the right spot. I'm Bo Brock. You can see it if you're watching on YouTube. Thank you for tuning in at Clancy's Corner on Twitter to follow Alex. Uh, just shooting from the hip with hot takes these days about the Arizona Cardinals. I'm just seeing that all over the place. It's like us Cardinals podcasters and writers, something will happen in practice and people will be like, this guy is going to have 1,500 yards. Like you just fire him yeah. off into the Twitter sphere. And then uh, next thing you know, it's just a like extravaganza. Yeah, I mean... I, you know, I I can't help that everybody loves AJ Green, and you're the only <laughs> one that doesn't. You know, that's not my fault. That's absolutely not my fault. I am, and I know we're going to talk about Rondell Moore. He's going to be like yeah. the leader in the clubhouse for the most popular player this year, my aside gosh. from Kyler Murray. You know, the videos. I mean, just uh, just boil them down, put them in a liquid form, and then put them into my veins. I just I love seeing Rondell Moore just cut people up. Uh, on the practice field, going for touchdowns, each like it's every other clip on my timeline. It's just Rondell Moore, Rondell Moore, Rondell Moore. The hype train is very real. We'll get into that conversation. The latest from the Arizona Cardinals training camp here on a Wednesday. Also, uh, this article came out today. The Cardinals finally land inside the top ten of an offseason rankings list. Uh, and thankfully, no division foe in sight. We'll tell you all about that one. Also, according to our friends over the Fantasy Footballers, uh, it was uh, Julia Papworth. She did some Arizona Cardinals target uh, projections. And Alex is going to, he doesn't know these projections. I don't, at least I don't think he, ha- he knows them. But a preposterous number for DeAndre Hopkins that is attainable. And then one that's kind of uh, the guy we just mentioned, Rondell Moore, that's kind of disappointing. And then uh, we'll tell Alex where his boy, A.J. Green, lands. And then uh, we continue Ooh, guest week. Yeah. If you haven't tuned in this week, we've been having tremendous, uh, a tremendous guest list. We had uh, Jody Jackson on Monday. Check that episode out on our YouTube channel or wherever you find podcasts. And then yesterday, Ian Rappaport, the most dialed-in NFL insider who actually does know bleep about uh, the Chandler Jones situation. He told us about it. And if you missed it, check it out, YouTube or wherever you find podcasts at Locked On Cardinals. So let's get into the conversation about the list that we were looking at earlier today, Alex. You sent this one to me. It was via ESPN. And uh, it was who improved the most, who improved their roster the most this offseason. And the Arizona Cardinals, they were in the top 10. They were ninth overall as far as most improved uh, team this offseason, as far as adding talent and talent leaving uh, Arizona. The Arizona Cardinals were ninth. And, you know, it's it's finally like I'm going to golf clap that one. I'm going to go, okay, thank you, some some well-deserved respect. I do agree with that. I think the Arizona Cardinals, you know, the talent that came in, uh, it, it's better than the talent that that walked out. They they bolstered their roster from an 8-8 eight and eight team. Now, you know, the schedule and, you know, how it's going to, you know, how they're going to execute, that's another question. But as far as improving the roster player for player, I think they absolutely did that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it it made me notice one of two things. One, you look up, I think Miami was right above them. It's like, man, Miami had a lot of draft picks. Like the Cardinals didn't have a lot of draft picks compared to teams that are really bolstering their lineup with, you know, with young talent. The Cardinals got older. They got better, but they got 
a lot older, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. That's the one thing that I saw that still the draft is not a focal point for this team. Um, but number two is that J.J. Watt's getting all this run. And that that's what makes me question. Like They said the best offseason acquisition by any team, I think, this offseason was J.J. Watt to the Cardinals. And I think that's a load of crap. <laughs> I mean, I like his name and what J.J. Watt is going to do and it has already done for this organization, there's no question that the Cardinals are in a better spot now than they were at the end of the 2020 season, just with 99 being in the locker room. But they're giving way too much credence, way too much credit, in my opinion, for this move being as positive as the best offseason acquisition by anybody? Is that not? I mean, listen, and again, J.J. Watt is one of those guys where when he's on the field, you'd rather have 12 games of J.J. Watt than 17 games of, you know, somebody not as good as him. He's still one of those guys. He's a 94 and Madden, all that stuff. But do you think his name recognition is too much? No. Do you think they're getting too much credit for this? Let me um, let me put it in this perspective. Uh, Hassan Reddick had 12 and a half sacks last season. Great career season. He had five of those in one game. He had five sacks against the New York Giants. And I think that the Arizona Cardinals probably still beat the G-Men who uh, pounded on their quarterback yesterday But in a crazy story. <laughs> they, they got into a brawl and they put their franchise quarterback... Uh, underneath all of it, but uh, J.J. Watt had five and a half, and I think on a snap-by-snap basis, J.J. Watt is making a much more significant impact than Hassan Reddick was. I think Hassan Reddick uh, has found his niche in the NFL, and that's getting to the quarterback, but I don't. I think that he's a one-trick pony, and I think J.J. Watt has a, has a larger repertoire as far as impacting the game. And you said it. I mean, he impacts more than just the the game on the field. He impacts the game. He impacts the team in the locker room. He impacts uh, preseason training. You know, guys getting to the weight room, guys being amped up and and prepared for practice and enjoying practice. And I think Hassan Reddick is a good player, but I don't think he transcends the playing field like J.J. Watt. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think you're going to see an uptick in – in performance from the linebackers where J.J. Watt's going to get double teamed almost every play. Yeah. So you're going to get double teamed from J.J. Watt. You're going to get double teamed from Chandler Jones. That leaves some of the best athletes in the NFL behind them to eat. I mean, Isaiah Simmons could literally, literally have 80% of the production that Hassan Reddick did last year if they utilize him correctly. I mean, Hassan Reddick could fit in Isaiah Simmons' pocket yeah. size-wise. 6'3", 240, sub 4'4". Four, four. He was made in a lab. If you can use him and you put him on the same side as J.J. Watt or Chandler Jones from the outside, that's why it's inexplicable to me that they didn't just move him outside. It's like, okay, cool. We have guys that are going to take up the offensive line. Oh, wait, the offensive line blocks are the quarterback. Oh, wait, if they're blocking for you know Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt, who's going to block Isaiah Simmons? Oh, a running back? You'll take that every day of the week. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. It seems so basic. Obviously, football is so intricate, and I've never played. I mean, I, I had two interceptions in eighth-grade flag football, so I was I was almost all-conference for that, but that's where I peaked. I'm telling you, AJ, I mean, Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins are the one that are going to benefit the most from J.J. Watt's performance on the field. It's not going to be sack numbers let's, that we're going to care about. Let's simplify things real quick. Where did the Cardinals – where did they not get better this offseason? Cornerback. Or, uh, yeah, cornerback room. You really feel like the cornerback room. You don't think that yeah. Malcolm Butler 
has equal, if not better, production than Patrick Peters? We don't know. I think so. I think that's. A, well, I, think, it, it, I think that's either the status quo, or I think it's a little, the littlest bit of an uptick. I think that Malcolm okay. Butler's been better. Uh, he didn't have any pass rush last year like Patrick Peterson did, uh, in, in Tennessee. And okay, and then I think there's expectations by Murphy in his third season. You know, Robert Alford, Drake Kirkpatrick. I, I just think that the secondary. You know, you, you add the rookies. I, I just think the quantity is is there, and it's pretty equal. But you can make the case for that. I think where they yes. really, where you can really say, okay, they didn't improve this room. The running backs. Now, yeah, could it be a better performance? Potentially, you know, who knows what Chase Edmonds looks as RB one. He's never had that opportunity, real true opportunity. But you know, I think Kenyon Drake had double digit touchdowns last year. He, he's more of a st- like the the floor is higher for Kenyon Drake. The upside's higher for Chase Edmonds. Um, I just think that that's probably the one you can argue. But other, otherwise, I think that they improved at the wide receiver position. I think they definitely proved the pass rush. They definitely improved, upgraded the center position. So I think you can only make the case for maybe two groups where you're like, oh, maybe they, they didn't get better. But then when you look across the division, and we'll finish up this list real quick uh, before we get into some more training camp takeaways, and, and then we'll also get to our guest Kyle Odegaard, who used to work for azcardinals.com for so long. Uh, he's going to tell us what he's doing these days and some interesting odds for the Arizona Cardinals. But the Arizona Cardinals were ninth on this list. And then the next closest NFC West team was... The San Francisco 49ers at 18, and then then the or yeah at 18, and then you had the Rams at 22, and then Seattle all the way down the list at 28. I mean, these were teams, and that's where I think that this paradox continues, where the Cardinals improved their roster from eight and eight, and it's a pretty significant improvement as far as player, uh, you just better players, but they're supposed they're supposed to trickle down the division, and these teams that. Didn't I mean? What did the Niners do? How did the Niners get better? They they're returning guys that were on the COVID list. They were that were injured last year. That's how they got better. I mean, they still have the same issue. They don't they don't have any confidence in their quarterback Jimmy G. And I mean, we're we're already hearing Trey Lance is getting uh, you know first team reps in practice. And then the the Rams brought over a guy with a forty four career winning percentage. That's an upgrade. I mean. Like the only, unfortunately, this is probably the real reason why the Cardinals are ranked so high is because they needed to improve more. The other teams didn't necessarily like Seattle. You can say what you want; they're not going to have a good offensive line, and their corners are going to be suspect. Even though you know they they look better than they have in recent years since losing the Legion of Boom. The 49ers were ravaged by injury last year. They didn't have to make that many upgrades. So this is based solely on offseason moves. So that's probably where they're supposed to be drafting. Trey Lance was looked at as an A move. So that's why they're there. I mean, I, I think those numbers, I think those ratings are absolutely fine um, my, compared to some of the other crap that we've seen. My uh, And that plays right into my conspiracy theory about the, the 49ers. I mean, it plays... I love this so much. Like, right into the hands of it. I mean, it, it, me, it is... I will give it to you. I absolutely will. But we first have to... Uh, we have to pay some bills a little bit. We've got to get to yes. our. We have to talk about our our great sponsors here on the Locked On Cardinals podcast, um, which I'm trying to bring up our sponsors. Why don't you Why don't you start with BetOnline.ag, yeah, Bo? BetOnline.ag because we actually have football to bet on these days. One and a half. 
I saw our guy Lee Sterling from Locked On Bets was saying, you pound that under. He thinks that the Steelers' defense is going to come out to prove something, and you're not going to get you know the best shot from the Dallas Cowboys' offense. Obviously, it's one of, what is it, four preseason games now for the Cowboys? They're playing one extra one. Um, so Lee Sterling thinks that 33.5 take the under as far as the total. Uh, where, where do you do that? The fastest, easiest way to do that is betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag. Not only do you have the quickest, easiest way to all the action, they've got news, they've got sign-up bonuses right now. All you have to do, go sign up, put in the promo code locked on, and you get a 50% sign-up bonus. So if you put in $100, bucks, you get 50 free dollars to help build your stack for the NFL regular season. You could bet on Major League Baseball. You could bet on all the UFC MMA action. Do it. BetOnline.ag is the best place to do that. We'll be right back. Locked on Cardinals. All right. So we're back here. Uh, we've got a great message coming up from our friends over at uh, Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market. We also have yes. Kyle Odegaard from azcardinals.com, formerly of azcardinals.com. He's gonna He's got a new gig, but he is he just basically hung up his Cardinals... Uh, I don't know his credential, garb, his garb, his yeah. his polo. Uh, he's now working for BettingUS.com, um, which will give you insight on making bets at BetOnline.ag. But uh, so Rondell Moore going off in training camp. Saw more videos today from the ten thirty practice, and then also Christian Kirk. I heard he's in street clothes. We're still trying to figure out what the deal was with Christian Kirk. Somebody asked this on our YouTube video yesterday. Should we deal with Christian Kirk? Should the Arizona Cardinals be in the business of dealing the former second-round pick? I mean, we talked about it around draft day. What what he could garner. Could he garner a fourth-round pick at this point? Um, I think that in the last year of his deal, we're going to find out the max that Christian Kirk's going to put out because, I mean, it's a contract year. And look at what Hassan Reddick did last year when given the opportunity. It's obviously not the same exact thing, but if he's healthy for the majority of the season – He's going to score touchdowns. He's going to take the roof off the defense. You know, we did it against Dallas last year. He had a, he balled out against Tampa Bay two years ago. I think he had three touchdowns that game. I think it was. Uh, it was a game that was irrelevant because the Cardinals were out of contention at that point. But we've seen it from him at an NFL level. It's not like John Ross, who was drafted top 10, and you know he scored, what, four or five touchdowns in his career. Christian Kirk is much better than that. But, you know, it's interesting. Uh, we got to see it this year, yeah. you know? You know, it's interesting it's like exactly what Ian Rappaport told us yesterday about Kyler Murray. Like, if he gets an extension, that's a good thing for the Arizona Cardinals. That means he earned it. That means he's getting generational wealth to continue to do what he's done so far and and hold down for it as a franchise-caliber quarterback. And then you look at, you know, if, if Chandler Jones gets another big deal, that means he had a great season for the Arizona Cardinals. And if Christian mm-hmm. Kirk gets a big deal after this, that means... He put it together. I mean, those are all good problems to have for the Arizona Cardinals until they go into next offseason, and then you can figure it out. You've got, like, A.J. Green on a one-year deal. You've got Christian Kirk going into a contract season. You've got Chandler Jones. And if they all go off, good. If you can renegotiate something, go ahead and do it. If you can uh, get a draft pick compensation, that's not bad either. I mean, I think the Arizona Cardinals are in a good spot right now. You know, we talk about how small this window is. But if these guys who are vying for big deals can cash in, that's great for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, you want to have your own version of what Tampa Bay did last year. Not win a Super Bowl, but run it back. That's the idea. 
if all if most of the moves work, Malcolm Butler plays fine. You give him another one year deal or two year deal. Like all the goal is for well for fully functioning organizations, you keep your veterans who make a lot of money and draft good players, and that's how you win a Super Bowl. That's um, how it's always happened. Yeah, you have a good team, and then you draft people who are actually NFL caliber guys, and then you win a Super Bowl. That that's how it happens. It's Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bo Brock, Alex Clancy. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked On AZ Cards. So, Julia Papworth, she works for the Fantasy Footballers. We had Jason Moore on a couple weeks ago. He gave us some tremendous insight as far as Arizona Cardinals with any kind of worth fantasy wise. And we talked about, I mean, the usual suspects, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and then it's everybody else. And Julia broke down, you know, what she expects the target share to be. And the Arizona Cardinals are vacating 156 targets from the 2020 season. Most notably, Larry Fitzgerald, who had 70 targets. Then you had Dan Arnold, who's now at the Carolina Panthers, and then Kenyon Drake, the running back. And listen to this, Alex. Julia projects, and I don't think this is crazy, a 2021 outlook, a target share with a ceiling of 175 targets for DeAndre Hopkins, who had 160 last year. So... You know, he had, what, 14, 16 in a couple games? Um, that's not out of this realm. I mean, that's actually, I think, legit, and he should come in around that number. If Kyler Murray's throwing the ball 30-plus times a game and DeAndre Hopkins isn't getting 10 of those targets, something's wrong. Yeah. Kyler it's Murray... as simple as that. Throwing the, like, really quick, this is what bothers me about this. Get picked off before you look somewhere else. Like, this whole lockdown corner thing pisses me off. It's like, you know what? Maybe your receiver's better than that lockdown corner. And in most cases, he DeAndre is. Hopkins is. I don't care if it's Jalen Ramsey. He's better than three corners. <laughs> yeah. Mean, if yeah. there was like... Yeah, well, you know, remember I was the, defended by three people. Remember the uh, <laughs> the trust fall? Remember that was a hot thing to do? That was a trendy thing to do where you just go and you just fall yeah, and school. if somebody catches you... That was the yeah. ultimate trust fall. He went up over three people <laughs> and he came down with the damn football when it mattered the most. That's it, yeah. Yeah. Was it... And I believe more in I or however he what was the quote. It was it, it was, was a better what, catch by I. It was yeah. a better catch by I. DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, 175 mm-hmm. targets. So that's exciting. And I think Alex and I are both in agreement on that. Now let's get into the two wide receivers that are trending in Cardinals training camp: AJ Green and Rondell Moore. And I'm going to tell you that Rondell Moore's targets are going to disappoint you. You'll probably be content with AJ Green. Can you can we maybe guess AJ Green targets? So okay, so AJ Green targets eighty-five. All right, you're right in the middle. The low end is seventy. The high end is ninety. Okay. Okay. So that's five a game. Yeah, and like I said, Ball you know, the, the Arizona Cardinals are they're losing one hundred and fifty-eight targets. That's twenty-eight percent of Kyler Murray's twenty-twenty pass attempts. So there's twenty-eight percent potential targets to go around to, to other guys because Larry Fitzgerald's gone Dan Arnold's gone Kenyon Drake's gone the other guys AJ Green Christian Kirk Rondell Moore do you want to make a guess on that I'm just going to tell you 50 oh, 50 is and I had him at 68 catches would be a good year yeah 50 targets for Rondell Moore his floor is 25 look if that's the case it's like what were we doing all summer long, just uh, just salivating over this guy? No, I, I think that that's I think that's too low. I think targets it's just too low. I mean, the way that they're going to be able to move him around, he's not. You know, we, we've seen some big plays down the field, but he's got the ability. You just put him, 
you know, he's got those little smoke screens, those bubble screens, whatever, and he's going to be able to make plays. I think he gets way over 50 targets. Yeah. I mean, he had like, that's an Andy Isabella number. Like, bless you, Bo. That's an Andy Isabella number. Like, it's, it's like, and obviously the majority of this is probably with injury concerns that they don't think he's going to play 17 games. You hope. Otherwise, that's three targets a game on the high end. Yeah. Three targets a game if you play 17 games. If that's the case, targets, Cliff Kingsbury is doing something wrong, which is what we hope we're not going to be discussing at the end of the season. Yeah. Because Rondo Moore, Rondo Moore's got a Percy Harvin, Tyreek Hill look to him. He does. Like, like Percy, Percy Harvin was not really a down the field threat, and Tyreek Hill is really, he's, he's morphed into not just a down the field threat, but. Rondo Moore looks special as hell, man. Yeah. They just got to find a way to use him. She had a uh, Julia Papworth of uh, the fantasy footballers had uh, Chase Edmonds with a ceiling of 75. He had 67 targets last year. I think he easily gets, if if he capitalizes on an RB1 status, yeah, he'll cruise by that. I mean, it just seems he was 11, he was 10 of 11 catching targets in the red zone. Uh, Very great opportunity for Chase Edmonds going into his contract year, his fourth year with the Arizona Cardinals out of Fordham. It's Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Networks, your team every day. Larry Fitzgerald, the odds he's coming back, and also some other conversations about Steve Keim. Is there a GM problem with the Arizona Cardinals? We're going to talk to somebody who's been covering this team since the Keim era began in 2013. Kyle Odegaard from bettingus.com, formerly of azcardinals.com, joins us next. Right here, Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network. The just incredible track and field performances at the Olympics. And did you know that Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team, Alex? I did know that, Bo, yeah. yes. They don't mess around. They're not just going to put you know some junk in their stomach and then go out there and run in the Tokyo heat. No, they've got to be ready to go. They've got to be in top tip, top shape to be out there on the track and Built Bar is what's doing it for them. And they're not cutting any corners as far as taste. It's actually the best tasting protein bar on the market. Go out there, try coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel, my personal favorite. And each bar has 17 to 18 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. Go to built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. Save yourself some money, 15% off your next order, just by using the promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. Guest week continues the worst named uh, segment we have. It's just it's just lame, but it's almost a joke in itself. But we are bringing some uh, great guests on the Lockdown Cardinals podcast this week. Monday was Jody Jackson. Of course, you can check out the morning scramble all season long. And of course, she there's a stick in the ball. There's she's covering it in the Valley of the Sun. Yesterday, one of the best NFL insiders, if not the best. Ian Rappaport, Rap Sheet, check that video out on YouTube. We continue here with Guest Week. We're going to bring on a guy from AZ, formerly from azcardinals.com. Now he's working for bettingus.com, Kyle Odegaard. Kyle, thanks for joining us, man. 
Not a problem. When you said worst, I thought you were going to say worst guest of the week. So <laughs> no, I appreciate you pivoting there for a second. <laughs> not at all. I think, you know, Alex is always going to hold up that end of it for uh, this podcast for sure. But uh, yeah, we wanted to get you on here. You know, while you're still well versed, you did, you covered the Arizona Cardinals for so long, whether it was like the East Valley Tribune, then you worked for the Arizona Republic at one point, And then, of course, the, the team, no, never for the Republic. Never for no, the Republic. just the East Valley Tribune. East yeah. Valley Tribune, and then uh, obviously for the team website for so many years. Great work, azcardinals.com, and now you're working for bettingus.com. I saw this little nugget on your Twitter account, at Kyle underscore Odegaard. Larry Fitzgerald's odds of playing in the NFL this season, no at plus 135. So the odds uh, that Larry Fitzgerald are coming back, actually, it doesn't favor him coming back. Uh, well, I mean, it it does now favor him coming back, which is a little bit interesting. Oh, I'm sorry. With the minus 175, they're thinking that he is going to come back. And earlier in the offseason, he was a big underdog to play in 2021. So it's kind of surprising that it shifted. But now, I guess as the season's getting closer and he never announces retirement, the betting markets are shifting a little bit and everybody's still waiting. And I don't know if anybody truly knows besides Fitz, but Everybody's keeping an eye on that for sure, and now maybe there is a chance he comes back. Now, Kyle Odegaard, okay, so let's jump back a couple years because the Cardinals organization is a lot different than what it was. Uh, Let's say week one, State Farm Stadium 2018. Um, the over/under, or, or the uh, the uh, the odds for me quitting sports radio after watching that game <laughs> was minus a million. I remember sitting there, Bo Brock and I. Shoulder to shoulder, watching the Cardinals on the field off on the offense for five and a half minutes in the first half, and you look at that to where the Cardinals are now. It's a completely different organization. So, with Kyler Murray and with DeAndre Hopkins and all of the all of the guys they brought in this offseason, what are, what's your snapshot of the Cardinals? Not just as a team, but as an organization, jump to from 2018 to now. I certainly ran the gamut because I started in 2013 with Bruce wow. Arians when they were just ascending and those teams were awesome for several years. And then you're right. There was the big lull, uh, <laughs> the worst part being 2018, of course. And I, I think they did a nice job of pivoting after that season and, tr- you know, drafting Kyler Murray and trading Josh Rosen and making these bold moves to put them back on the path toward respectability. And I think this is a huge year for Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime, where you've had two seasons and you've shown improvement, but with Kyler Murray in his third year, I think everybody expects playoffs or something close to the playoffs. And I think they have to continue ascending because if not, you feel like you have this star quarterback, but we need to get the right infrastructure and the right players around him in order to take that leap and be a true contender in the NFC. I love getting you on right now because obviously you reported on the team and not a lot of the time can you infuse your opinion in a lot of things. And I don't know if you want to or not, but you've covered the entire Steve Kime general manager era. And recently he's become he's come under fire more more so than usual. You had the Patrick Peterson comments about how his free agency went. Jordan Hicks was very uh, candid as far as how he's been handled this offseason. There's been a lot of criticism do you understand that criticism at all, or do you think it's just some guys having a tough time with the business side of the game? Yeah, I mean, I think when you're a GM and you're dealing with players that are getting older, I think there's naturally going to be some feelings like that. I mean, we saw Patrick Peterson last year. His play had declined a bit, and you 
you wonder, does it make sense for them to bring him back or not? So I think the Cardinals and Steve Kime decided that, hey, we feel like the money will be spent better elsewhere. And I don't think it was anything personal with Patrick Peterson. But, you know, when Patrick was saying, you know, that they may not have been completely forthright with me, I can understand that if he felt like they didn't do him right going into free agency. But I just think it's a, a position where, guys that you pay are going to love you and guys that you let leave in free agency are, are going to be unhappy. And I, I think that's just kind of the job. So I, I think, you know, it's not like my opinion of Steve Kime has completely changed from a few years ago to now. I think there's guys that are on the team now that are always going to be happy with him. And when people leave, sometimes they'll be disgruntled. Now, Kyle Odegaard, there's been a, um, a conversation Bo and I have been having over the course of the last week and a half or so that was kind of, putting a button on a conversation we started months ago when Steve Kime proclaimed Zayvon Collins a starter week one over Jordan Hicks. And Jordan Hicks, you can, you know, uh, go look for a trade partner somewhere else. With Zayvon not playing a down, not being at training camp yet, and Jordan Hicks obviously taking a step back last year on the field, but still having a huge integral leadership role on this team, do you think that that was the correct move? the wrong move or just the GM making a decision? Cause I, I mean, Bo and I have gone back and forth. We completely disagree on this. I think it was a bit premature to just say that he's our starter from day one. I think going into camp and if he showed it, I think I would feel more comfortable giving it to him. Then I understand the thought process because basically they're saying, even if he has struggles, we don't want to make this controversial and let Jordan Hicks, play 40% of the time and kind of do this yin and yang with, with David Collins. They just want him to settle in and be the starter and play full time. But I've seen enough rookies struggle mentally with the game where it really hurts a team. So I feel like if Zavin Collins looks lost in training camp, you've kind of already made your bed and you're going to start him when maybe Jordan Hicks is the better answer. So I personally wouldn't have said Zavin Collins is our starter at this point, but you know, I, I think they want to say we're looking more long-term. We believe in Zayvon Collins and and good or bad, we're going to put him out there. So we'll see if it works. Kyle Odegaard, sports and gambling editor, seven-star digital betting us.com. And I want to get some, I, I don't know if you have some crazy Cardinals odds that might be out there for the regular season coming up. But before we get into that, I want to ask you this. You spent so much time with this organization. We went from 2018 to now, you know, three wins, five wins, eight wins. Was it tough leaving the organization with the expectations back to where maybe they were in 2016? Man, I've been doing this from a journalistic standpoint for so long that I don't get too up and down with a team's record. I mean, it's always more fun when a team is doing well, but yeah. I don't I don't it doesn't really affect the way I do my job or my excitement level. I you know, I've enjoyed writing the stories and kind of the personal relationships and that sort of thing. Like if they're playing well, everybody's happier and it's easier to do my job, but you never know in the NFL. I mean, expectations here are high, but if the, if the passing game doesn't click this year, if the defense takes a step back, if, if there are certain injuries, then this team isn't ascending as, as quick as people think. And then it doesn't work out. So I, you know, I just felt like, regardless of how the team is doing. I just like this opportunity and, you know, we'll see how they do. And and I can see why there's optimism here, but, you know, I'm just kind of more of that, that old school unbiased type where the team win loss doesn't really matter to me. 
All right, so let's pivot to your world now. Uh, Bo and I have talked. It's kind of been laughable with the NFC West uh, projections from a betting stance. The Cardinals, I believe the book that we use, they're 10 to 11. So they're less than even money to finish last in the NFC West. Uh, Kyler Murray's got some interesting valued MVP odds, I'm sure. Um, Is there one bet that you would make over under win total, something surrounding the Cardinals that you're like, that's the one that you could get the most value for and also have the best chance of it actually happening. Yeah. The win total is at eight or eight and a half, depending on which, which book you're looking at, which you think when you look at eight, normally you would just say, okay, the over is the easy choice because they won eight games last year. There's an extra regular season game this year. So they would have to actually be eight and nine to only finish at eight wins but you look at some of the more analytical models and it does give me pause. Football Outsiders, I think, does a really good job and they peg them at 7.9 wins. And there's some people that are a little bit worried about the Cardinals because of the way they played down the stretch last season, because the offense never hit that second gear. And I don't know, I think, um, I mean, the Kyler Murray MVP odds are, are kind of interesting as more of a long shot. I think he's around plus 1,400, which would be a good payout. But then you look and say, okay, he'd have to beat out Patrick Mahomes and, and Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers and all these guys. Uh, so I think, you know, maybe Zayvon Collins as defensive rookie of the year is an interesting bet. Mm. Another long shot, but and we just talked about Zavin, but we know he's going to play a lot mm-hmm. and he's probably going to put up tackle numbers. And if he gets a couple interceptions or sacks, then then the overall numbers look good. And maybe he's not actually the best rookie, but in rookie of the year voting, these people don't see every single player and the defensive guys are kind of overlooked. So if he comes in and gets 100 tackles, that's going to turn some heads. Mm-hmm. So maybe Zayvon Collins as defensive rookie of the year is one that I would look at. Yeah, and the MVP, it's interesting because we'll have debates and you're like, oh, well, Matthew Stafford has higher odds than Tom Brady and Kyler Murray. And, you know, it's a zero-sum game. You know, it doesn't matter if, you, if you're going to win the award or not. And I think the odds as far as Kyler Murray winning the actual award, sure, he might have, you know, he should have better odds than somebody, but is he going to beat out Patrick Mahomes? Is he going to beat out Tom Brady? Is he going to beat out Aaron Rodgers? I mean, that's a different discussion, and you're just lighting money on fire, no matter if it's a better odds than you know somebody else. <laughs> and even even Patrick Mahomes hasn't won it the past two years. That's yeah. how hard it is to win MVP. The one thing I'll say about Kyler, going into year three, I could see this terrific jump out of him. I don't think it's the worst bet in the world because he's been in the league a couple of years. He's gained experience. We'll see if he reached superstar status ever as a quarterback. But if he does, this could be the season where you've got DeAndre Hopkins still. I still think they need a number two wide receiver to step up. And I know there's been good things said about A.J. Green and Rondale Moore early in training camp, but that's seven on seven. That's without pads. That's early on. I'd you know, pump the brakes on on that yet. But if they can find a second wide receiver, Kyler's got the legs. I mean, it, it could come together if everything's perfect. I don't hate the pick, but you're right. I mean, you still got to beat out Patrick Mahomes. Okay, really quick, before yeah. we wrap, I have to ask every single person that we bring on, I am the president of the AJ Green train. <laughs> I'm the conductor. I'm the president. I'm the mayor. I'm the governor. I think the dude still got plenty of juice left. He was in a bad situation, and now he's ready to prove himself because this won't. If this isn't going to be his last contract, one year six upward of eight, he's got a ball out this year. Do you see 
AJ Green potentially being that wide receiver two that you just mentioned, even though I know the answer is going to be no with how you just said it. I am not joining the AJ Green hype train. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a lot, I'm a lot more excited about Rondale Moore and the potential right. he brings. I think, you know, AJ Green played 16 games last year and had a yards per target of like 5.0, which was one of the worst among pass catchers in the NFL. So I think he'd have to completely revitalize himself and find a fountain of youth. I think he's 33 years old, which is getting pretty old in the NFL. So I'll believe it when I see it. Good luck to uh, the hype train, but I'm staying off it for now. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think the Rondell Moore hype train has probably already it's left the station. It might be off the rails, but the AJ Green is is close behind it. It's <laughs> I'm on the Rondell one. There you go. I mean, it's it's it's, it's pretty wild. Kyle Odegaard's fantastic coverage. Uh, if we haven't said it before, a tip of the cap for your all the work that you put in here in mm-hmm. the Valley of the Sun, and we appreciate it every single piece of work that you put forth. And best of luck to the new gig. Where can people find your new work? Yeah, appreciate it, man. Uh, so I'll be writing at uh, bettingus.com or compare.bet slash news. So we'll be doing a lot of different sports, but I'll be focused on NFL. I'll try to slide some of the Cardinals coverage in there when I can. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it for sure. And I'll still, I'll still keep an eye on the Cardinals and, and give my analysis on Twitter every once in a while, you know, working for the team and covering that long. It's, it's hard to just turn it off completely. So I'll, I'll keep a close eye on them. Yeah, no doubt about it. Make sure you're following along at Kyle underscore Odegaard and, uh, Looking forward to all that uh, betting insight. Look for it, bettingus.com. And guest week continues tomorrow, everyone. Johnny Venerable is going to join us Friday. Cam Cox from 12 News. They just announced your entire preseason is going to be watched on 12 News. Can't wait for it. Kyle, thank you so much. We'll talk to you hopefully down the line. Not a problem, guys. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll talk to you on Thursday.